Welcome to the Inner Peace and Other Cool Shit podcast, the show that helps you find freedom from anxiety, overthinking, worry, and stress. I'm Siobhan Friel, a fellow human being, transformational coach, and your new friend. Come and hang out with me as we explore a whole new understanding of the human experience so you can enjoy life with more peace and ease. Hello, welcome back to the Inner Peace and Other Cool Shit podcast. Today we're exploring what I'm going to be calling catastrophizing, which is the tendency of a human brain to hurl itself toward the possibility of disastrous scenarios in any situation, whether that situation is even happening or not. Catastrophizing is a type of overthinking or worrying, like they're all the same thing, a very busy mind. But we do enjoy slicing them up and labelling them, don't we? And I like the concept of catastrophizing because once we get a sense of how safe it is and we can decouple from the stories themselves by seeing the nature of thought, which I talk about every episode, we can see catastrophizing in a new way, an awesome way, the expansive, limitless creativity and imagination of our brain, which, when understood, can be put to much better use than scaring the shit out of ourselves. We're going to take a bit of a closer look at catastrophizing and why we do it and then zoom out a bit to see what's really happening and then we'll look at some examples and then we'll see how we can have a different experience of this whole thing. Are you coming? Let's get started. Catastrophizing in this sense is when our brain makes a series of quick jumps or sometimes a gigantic leap to the worst possible thing it can come up with at that time. I used to think I was the absolute queen of catastrophizing until I started my work as a coach and then I realised that I wasn't that special after all. Huh. And that's what I want to lead with. Catastrophizing is extremely common and extremely normal. In fact, it is the catastrophizers among us who allow the human race to propagate. Evolutionarily, predicting and preparing for catastrophes allowed our ancestors to stay alive long enough to make babies, and for their babies to stay alive long enough to make babies, and for their babies to stay alive long enough to make more babies, and repeat this astonishing feat of survival about 7,000 times until you were born. I actually did the maths on that, by the way. Of course, back then, in our hunter-gatherer days, about 200,000 years ago, catastrophes wouldn't have been called catastrophes. They would have just been everyday life. So our ancestors were just mooching about, hiding from bears and seeking shelter from storms and contemplating the deathly poison rating of a berry, just as part of their regular to-do list. Our brains evolved to scan the environment for danger because this was integral to survival and back then there were heaps of dangers. But our brains haven't evolved at the breakneck speed that society has, so our brains don't realise that the world is astonishingly safe now. 200,000 years is just a blink in evolutionary terms. Our brains are running on programming that's 200,000 years old. Understanding a bit more about our brain's evolution, the environment and how it relates to anxiety and worry and all of that was so helpful to me and it just made so much sense. 
Dr. Amy Johnson, who I've mentioned several times on the show already, has an awesome episode on this stuff in her podcast, Changeable. I'm going to link to it in the show notes if you're interested in learning about that kind of thing. Through understanding evolution a bit more, I came to see that not only did it make sense why I had a ton of anxiety, but that it was people like me and people like you who even got the human race this far. So next time you're comparing yourself to your friend who's completely chilled all the time and seems unfazed by life, well, just think they wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for the catastrophizing of your ancestors. Said another way, we are awesome and catastrophizing is a sign of a healthy brain. Well, that's all very nice, isn't it? Having a healthy brain and having a starring role in furthering the human race. Lovely. But unfortunately, living in a swirl of catastrophizing thinking fucking sucks. It's exhausting for one because a brain will never run out of things to catastrophize over. To a brain, there are infinite paths to your ultimate demise, (laughs) and if only it identifies each one of them and tries to solve for it, it can't relax. But this is an impossible task. Even if we know, logically, at least sometimes, that catastrophizing and worrying is a waste of time, we still engage with it. Predicting, often unintentionally, the worst case scenario seems really compelling because, one, it seems like we'll be prepared. It appears like we're coming up with solutions to these possible dangers through our worrying and thinking about them. Two, the outcomes, while often ranking from unlikely to almost impossible, always have even the tiniest chance of happening and their consequences seem so severe that it looks like it's worth worrying about. The brain focuses on what will create the worst outcome, not what is the most likely outcome. Three, worrying and catastrophizing feels like we're doing something. It feels like we're being proactive. It feels like we're getting ready to fix whatever disaster may be lying in wait for us. We love that feeling of doing something, even though it's an illusion. This is why we seem to get a lot of housework done when we are procrastinating on a work project or we have a sudden urge to start writing this year's Christmas cards rather than organise our dentist trip in June. The impact of all of this overthinking and catastrophizing is exhaustion, insecurity, constant doubt, lack of peace, all coupled with a grinding sense of frustration that we know it's a waste of time, but we can't stop doing it. Okay, who is with me so far? Who can relate to this? So I can definitely relate because I had an episode of catastrophic thinking (laughs) this very morning. I was clearing out some space on my laptop and venturing into some developer folders after carefully googling what to do. Then when it came time to get to work, I opened my project management tool, which has all my stuff in it, and it wouldn't open. (laughs) Now, logically, I knew it was in the cloud, and if I had made a mistake deleting something, I could just reinstall the app, I had it on my other devices in the meantime anyway. I knew all this. And yet, my brain took me to a faraway land where not only had I irrevocably lost about five years worth of work, painstaking organisation, and ideas for things which may or may not change the world, but my clients would find out and fire me for being a dumbass. I'd be so pained by the experience, I wouldn't be able to come up with any ideas ever again, and I'd cry and rock myself through the days. 
I'd have to give up on this direction of life entirely and get a job as a DoorDash driver. Now, I think my brain chose this one because I've just seen adverts about them coming to New Zealand, like we always get things late. But the price of fuel is so ridiculous, I wouldn't make any money as a DoorDash driver, and maybe I'd smell of pizzas all the time, so none of my friends would want to hang out with me, and I'd never get a boyfriend because I'd always be working and I smell, and I'll have a lonely life of living in my car and boarding up my DoorDash t-shirt to use as a pillow. So it took about half a second from my app not opening on my laptop to me living this life of a homeless person with no money or friends. And, as you know, if you've been listening to the show, we feel our thinking. So I felt all of that. I actually love hearing people's catastrophizing examples these days. They just show how amazingly creative our brains are. Coming to see a bit more around this can really help us unlock and redirect this creativity for good rather than evil. As in, we can use the incredible infinite gift of our imagination for awesome shit rather than making up worst case scenarios and terrifying ourselves. I remember one person was sharing once how they were a bit nervous about travelling. It was just as things were just opening up after Covid. Their brain made up a ton of possible reasons why they shouldn't leave home and go on their trip. And the one I loved was that snake eggs may hatch in their garden and bite their children, even though there'd never been any snakes in her garden and it was winter, so snakes wouldn't even be hatching at that time of year. (laughs) The absurdity of this scenario woke her up to her catastrophizing, and seeing that we are doing it is enormous in itself. If you have a funny catastrophizing story, let me know on Instagram. I just love to hear them. I love this quote from Terence McKenna, who was an ethnobotanist, and he spoke and wrote on various things like metaphysics, alchemy, language, philosophy, culture, tech, environmentalism, and the theoretical origins of human consciousness. Very cool. He was also known as the intellectual voice of rave culture, which definitely appealed to the part of me which I left behind a long time ago. (laughs) Anyway, Terence McKenna said, Don't worry. You don't know enough to worry. Who do you think you are that you should worry for crying out loud? It's a total waste of time. It presupposes such a knowledge of the situation that it is in fact a form of hubris. (laughs) Uh, I love that, for crying out loud. (laughs) Anyway, hubris was one of those words where I thought I knew the vague meaning but wasn't fully sure, so I looked it up for me and for anyone else that needs it in this situation. And it means excessive pride or self-confidence. So Terence McKenna is spot on. At the root of our worry, overthinking and anxiety is an unprodded assumption that we have all the information to justify these potential outcomes. But what do we know? Fuck all! We've got no idea what we will even be thinking 45 seconds from now, never mind have enough information to predict how a conversation, an event or our lives are going to pan out. Sorry for the very loud swear there. Okay, I have another quote here. This one is from OG philosopher and cool dude, Seneca. (laughs) There is nothing so wretched or foolish as to anticipate misfortunes. What madness it is in your expecting evil before it arrives. Very wise, Seneca. Thanks for that. But while we may see it as wretched and foolish, what do we do about it, huh? Seneca? Seneca, what do we do about it? <laughs> 
Are you there? Hello? What now? Hmm, I guess I'll have to try and answer this question then. Well, we can look in another direction when it comes to this exhausting, pointless, futile, but weirdly compelling endeavour of catastrophizing. Firstly, seeing that the thoughts themselves and the spirals and the tangles are normal, so having them is not an issue. There's no need to judge that bit of it. Having catastrophizing thinking only means you have a working brain and means nothing about who you are, what may happen, your ability to deal with it, what it means for your life or what it means about your relationship with anxiety or your journey to freedom or any of that. If you have catastrophizing thoughts about your catastrophizing thoughts, meta-catastrophizing or catastrophizing squared if you will, also just means you have a working brain. I really want you to get this. This is not some trope to make you feel better. Having catastrophizing thoughts and being a self-identified overthinker is not a bad thing and does not mean anything about you at all. It's not personal. What you think is not up to you. None of us controls what slams into our head in the first place. If none of that is up to you, it can't be personal. Please take that on board. Well, that was a bit stern, wasn't it? Okay, so we can't control these thoughts and it's not up to us when they come and to what extent and what they are, right? Tick. So here's an awesome thing. Our catastrophizing comes with a built-in trip switch. A feeling of anxiety, panic, despair, any bad feeling really, will let you know when you're innocently misusing thought to scare the bejesus out of yourself. When you know the feeling is a trip switch and not just another thing that's broken, that's enormous. I'm not sure I rattled off a hastily constructed metaphor yet this episode, have I? (laughs) So let's expand on this one quickly. So let's say our thoughts are electricity. Now I know a few people who are electricians, so I apologise in advance because this isn't going to be very good. And when the circuits are overloaded, the lights go out. When we have a surge of thoughts our peace of mind, our clarity goes dark. Ah, we think. We panic and we're filled with anxiety and worry. And then we spot the fuse thing in the fuse box, probably with the torch on our phone because the lights are off, remember? And we see it's facing the other way. Oh no, that's also broken. This must mean it's really bad. Everything's fucked and we're destined to live in darkness forever and starve or freeze to death. This is what a catastrophizing mind will do when we don't know what fuses are and what they mean just like when we don't realise what our bad feelings mean. Our bad feeling is a trip switch, letting us know the system is overloaded and advising us to cool off and return to peace. The bad feeling itself is not a cause for doom. It's not a sign of danger. It's a clever, reliable alert. Okay, how was that metaphor? Was it terrible? Hopefully you're getting a feel for what I'm saying regardless of the quality of the metaphors. I say this often, but it can't be said too much. Our feelings are there to let us know when our thinking is off track. And it's the misunderstanding that our feelings are a signal of impending doom that's keeping us all running around in the dark. If you've been following along with the Inner Peace and Other Cool Shit podcast, you'll be familiar with this. You may not believe it yet. 
and you may not trust it and you may not have seen it for yourself but presumably you're curious about the possibility that there might maybe might possibly maybe might be something here and you're hanging out a bit more to see which is great our feelings will always let us know 100% of the time the quality of our thinking in that moment our feelings will always let us know 100% of the time the trustworthiness of those thoughts in the moment our feelings will always let us know 100% of the time if we are misusing our incredible capacity for infinite thought against ourselves our feelings are only and ever giving feedback on thought in the moment our feelings are saying this is how that thought feels our feelings are not prophesizing doom our feelings are not forecasting certain future terrors our feelings are not the harbingers of our ruination and destruction harbinger is a funny word isn't it i quite like it our feelings have no idea what's happening in the outside world they only know the quality the usefulness the trustworthiness of our thinking most of us are suffering with feelings of anxiety, stress, panic, overwhelm, worry and all the feels because we have innocently been taught, subliminally and through the behaviour of others and messages from society, that these feelings, these bad feelings, mean that what we are thinking is important and true and we need to solve for them. And it's the bloody opposite! <laughs> Can you even try that on for a second? How different would life be if you really saw the truth of that? Really saw that your shitty feeling was advising you to turn away from your thinking, not pay more attention to it and solve whatever it is. Gosh, I'm passionate today. <laughs> coming to see this and therefore coming to see that horrid, panicky feeling that comes from catastrophizing thoughts is only an incredible 100% reliable alert that you are just just overloading the system just thinking too much just experiencing a high volume of thought that would change everything for you but wait there's more cool shit not only do you have your 100% reliable real-time responsive alert system called feelings to let you know your thinking can't be trusted you also have the self-settling mind mechanism that is the design in all human beings. Your speedy mind, the high volume of thought, the system overload, will settle on its own without you having to do a thing. But wait, there's even more. <laughs> you have your feelings alert to let you know your thinking is off track and needn't be believed and followed. You have a self-settling mechanism which will clear your mind of its busyness. And you have the inescapable ability to have fresh thinking, wisdom and insight in each moment. So even if there is a problem to solve, you can handle it. Coming to see this ourselves and rely on it really transforms catastrophizing. It transforms anxiety and stress and overwhelm and panic. But hey, I know it can be hard at first to go against a lifetime of thinking in the old paradigm, I know. Dismissing or turning away from the content of important seeming thoughts is like um, a trainee pilot having to take their hands off the controls when they hit trouble 
or for those of us who aren't pilots, uh, like turning into a skid in a car, both feel counterintuitive and horrifying. But that's exactly what we need to do when it comes to our thinking. Okay, a huge thing around catastrophizing thinking that stopped me from taking it so seriously and is the same for some of the people I work with is the possibility, no matter how tiny, of the thing happening. The thought of the terrible thing happening is horrifying because it's a static lump of imagined terror. (laughs) There's no movement to it. The thought is a bit like jumping into a freezing lake and being weighed down. But when something does happen, like really actually take place outside of our head, there's a movement to it. It's dynamic. Things occur to us in the moment. In fact, the more of a danger it is, the more we're taken over by instinct, by intuition, something like that. And our personal worried thinking is actually quiet for once. There's millions of stories about this type of thing. So yeah, we're still plunged into the freezing lake, but we're already coming up to the surface before we have to decide what to do. Said another way, if the catastrophe does happen, new stuff will occur to you. Our real-time responsiveness to all things will move us through. Said very simply, you'll be taken care of. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to like our kids being bitten by a snake or losing all of our work, but we will be moved through that situation. I bet you can all think of a difficult thing in life where, like when you look back on it now, you can't quite understand how you kept going, but you did. I would also kindly ask you to muse on how that even happened. I think you'll be able to find instances where you don't even know what was moving you, like it felt like you weren't making decisions or choices. There were just moments unfolding somehow, one after the other. I talked about this more in one of the other episodes called When a Bad Thing Happens or something like that. So give that a listen if this is the bit that you're stuck on. Okay, how's anxious Alice? So she's laughing to herself as she follows along with this episode. She has a rather hearty guffaw. It's a bit like this. (laughs) She recognises her brain going to the worst case scenario in nearly every situation. Anxious Alice has seen a lot around anxiety and the nature of thoughts and feelings and her relationship with all of this stuff is really shifting. Yay? But she notices the first impulse of her brain is to go to the worst case scenario most, if not all, times. But she does notice that it doesn't stay there and it might downgrade its prediction from worst possible thing ever to unlikely but still possible and still very shit thing. (laughs) And then over time, it settles down to reason. Alice describes it like turning on the shower and being blasted with freezing water. It needs time for the water to get nice and warm and knowing that it will makes the cold bit completely tolerable. Hmm. I'm not sure about Alice trying to come up with better metaphors than me. Alice, I do the metaphors around here and you do all the insightful exploring, okay? So the main thing I want you to take away from this episode is first understanding that it's so normal for a brain to jump to the worst possible thing it can think of whenever. (laughs) So if you have a lot of catastrophizing thinking, that in itself is not a problem. 
As I talked about a bit before, us humans have an amazing design which too few of us realise and we can really come to trust this. I really want you to kind of ponder this lightly in your own life. If you knew for sure that the feeling of panic, anxiety and worry was a kind warning to back off your thinking, how could that change that experience for you? If you knew for sure your mind will settle on its own and much, much quicker without trying to mess with it and clarity would return, how would that change the experience of overthinking and catastrophizing for you? If you knew for sure that you'd be guided through every single thing, how would that change the experience of spiralling thought for you? If you knew for sure that your brain will often go to the worst case scenario a lot of the time but this in turn will fade and even gets hilarious and you won't ever stay there if you could really trust this how would that change it all for you okay we're at the end already thank you for listening see you next time thank you so much for listening this is the part where i ask you to share review and subscribe to the show So if you go and do that, I would absolutely love it. If you have thoughts or questions or insights about this episode or anything really, come and share them with me on Instagram at Siobhan Freel or visit me at SiobhanFreel.com. See you next time.